0: Message this morning. I just want to take a minute and and just brag on our church. I'm so proud of our church, and I'm proud to be your pastor. And uh, God is, we know we've been watching what God's doing across our nation, and folks, God's doing something right here, too. And uh, just to give you a little, this week is, I've had some of the longest days in ministry this week, but they have been awesome days. So just to give you a little recap, Tuesday morning, we invited you to come and start praying about Bible school. Yes, I know, praying for Bible school in February. And Doc Ashburn looked at me, said, man, if three or four people show up, I'll be tickled to death. Twenty-two people came out at 6 a.m. on Tuesday morning to begin praying about (laughs) Bible school. fast forward, these conversations start taking place between the college, the local churches, the community, and we, some churches came together and wanted to offer a just a worship service in a time of prayer Thursday evening. We hosted that here, and uh, it was National Collegiate Day of Prayer. We just wanted to just open the doors and let people worship with this spirit of revival that's going on, and uh, some of our folks counted across the three or four hours that we were here. About 300 people came out Late on a Thursday night, we were here at almost midnight, just to praise the Lord together. Folks, God's doing something. Friday night, the college... The students at Union were, were, were planning on leading a worship service on their campus. Long story short, we ended up in the street over on College Street, and there was well over hundred and fifty people that came over there, most of them students. Most of them were not community or uh, pastors. They were mostly students that came and were worshiping Jesus right here in the streets of Barberville. Then last night, the college said, listen, we can't let this die. We just need to come together and pray. And so we opened our doors once again. The students came in. How many students did you say, Shane? About 30 college students just came here just to pray, to seek the Lord and share testimonies. Before it was over, they said, well, we might as well just worship a little bit. And they started worshiping together. And they were here for about three hours last night praying and praising God. Folks, God's doing something. So, to get into our text, I'm excited about this. We've been going through the Bible together as a church. Of course, like I say every week, it's never too late to get one of those reading plans and start reading through the Word. Even if you have to go back and make it up or just pick up where we are right now. Just go ahead and start reading through that. We last week were in the book of Leviticus. Tough, we're in a tough spot right now, right? Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, it's, it's pretty tough reading. We we're in the middle of many do's and many don'ts, and we visited a passage in Leviticus about how to treat one another, how to love one another uh, out of that love that God has for us. I forgot to mention this too. On Friday morning, Friday lunchtime, we had about 60, 61, actually, I think, elementary kids right here. Came from the school, sat right here and heard a Bible story about Noah and about Jesus and salvation. And uh, one little girl, she's probably in the third grade. One little girl was talking about Jesus and she said, we love him because he first loved us, Pastor. I said, honey, you are years ahead of yourself. But we talked about God's love last week. Now this week we're going to move to the book of Numbers. We're going to be in chapter 21 if you want to go ahead and flip there in your Bible. And this morning, I get to, I'm excited because I get to preach a gospel message out of the book of Numbers. Now, we weave the gospel into wherever we are in the Word, right? But this morning is explicitly a gospel message, and I think that it's timely too. So, in the story of the nation of Israel, the people began to fall into this cycle. And it's a cycle that we really tend to fall into in our own lives. And we saw just a couple of weeks ago in the book of Exodus how the people had uh, created this idol for themselves and they worshipped this thing as if it were the Creator, as if it were God. And they, they were disciplined and they faced the consequences of their sin and Moses was angry and made them drink the water and all this stuff. God punished them. And we think, okay, maybe they've learned their lesson, right? Maybe they won't do this anymore. But here's what I want you to know. They're human, just like us. And it's hard for them to not go back to their old ways. And so, as we go through the narrative here in the Old Testament, they fall back into their old habits. They complain against God. They disobey God. They end up sinning against God. And once again, guess what? God has to discipline his people, even Moses, if you read I mean, I, I, I really feel and empathize with Moses. Moses is getting tired and frustrated at this point. Moses sins against God, and it's going to cost him dearly. But here's what I want us to see is that in spite of man's failure, right in the middle of this story, there's a picture, a very clear picture of God's redemption. And the salvation that God offers to man. And even right here in the book of Numbers, in the middle of all this this stuff that's hard to read, there's a picture of Calvary's cross. And how God would provide a means of salvation for mankind. Let's turn to Numbers 21. We'll start in verse 4. And the Bible says that then they set out from Mount Hor by way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom... But the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you led us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread or water and we detest this wretched food. I think they were Baptist. (laughs) The Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people. And they bit them so that many Israelites died. The people then came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Intercede with the Lord so that he will take the snakes away from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake image and mount it on a pole. When anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will recover. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. And whenever someone was bitten and he looked at the bronze snake, he recovered. There are numerous stories throughout the Old Testament that paint a picture or give us just a, a glimpse into what God would do over in the New Testament. And even in the New Testament, there are several Times where these stories from the Old Testament are alluded to. Even Jesus, for example, alludes to this story. And in John chapter 3, Jesus goes back and he's, he's talking to Nicodemus. And he says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And then John three fifteen. who can quote John three fifteen? Jesus then says, so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Then he says, for God so loved the world, and we we know the rest of the story, right? So here's the picture that we see in Numbers 21. We're going to go through this and break this down, but here's the big picture. The people sin against God, and God righteously punishes that sin. And then God provides a solution for those who have been bitten. And it just so happens that the solution God provides to them to this problem is very similar to the problem they had in the first place. The snakes bit you, so look up at this snake, right? Seems kind of odd. But then uh, the people, when they, if they'll just look, if they'll look at this thing that caused them problems lifted high on this pole, if they'll just look... And believe they will live and they get better, right? They recover. Let's break this down piece by piece. Here's the cycle and it begins like this. My points are very deep this morning. The first one's two words. uh, Man sins. Don't let that get over your head. Man sins. The cycle begins with man sinning against a holy God. Here the people come and they complain against God. They complain against God's man, Moses. The Bible says they became impatient. And I just want to say that impatience and discontentment will drive you to do and say hurtful and spiteful and sinful things... But that's another lesson for another day. The point here is that they sinned. They sinned against God and they sinned against Moses. Of course, this is a recurring theme all throughout the Old Testament, right? Really, all throughout man's history. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned against God in the garden, ever since they followed that snake, that serpent in the garden and rebelled against God, mankind cannot escape his sin. He's in, we're infected is a good way to put it. With sin, there was no cure. And even though the people might do good for a little while, that sickness of sin would eventually come back and overtake them, just like we see in this story. Now, he doesn't like credit, and I don't want to embarrass him, but Nathan does a fantastic job with our church sign every week. And this week, I'm not sure that any truer words have ever been put on the thing. It said the, the real pandemic in the world is sin. You see, folks, the greatest pandemic the world's ever faced was not the Spanish flu of 1918. It's not been COVID-19 of the past few years or the bubonic plague or something that, that came out of some wet market in China or laboratory, depending on who you ask. The greatest pandemic to ever hit this world is sin. And it all started way back when in man's heart, in the Garden of Eden, And ever since man took a bite from that forbidden fruit, listened to the snake, disobeyed God, listen, it has been wreaking havoc in people's lives and this world ever since. It's just like this story. When the people were bitten by the snakes, I feel like man's kind of been bitten by sin, right? And it's like we've got this poison in our system that we can't get rid of. No no matter how we try to deal with it, we can't quarantine ourselves out of it. We're just infected. We can't practice enough self-help. We can't even do enough good works to fix ourselves. It's just who we are. And that right there is what you have to come to terms with this morning. It's who you are. Billy Graham said, Man's greatest problem is man himself See our hearts whether we want to admit it or not our hearts are inclined to sin against our God there's a little girl that was walking through the grocery store, just a little toddler girl walking through the store with her mom. And as she walked down these aisles, up and down the aisles, she started looking at all the stuff and the colors and the candies and all the things. And she starts to just get overwhelmed with excitement. She just can't take it anymore. And she finally says, Mommy, you better hold my hand before I run away. You see, we are inclined to see Him. That poison that runs through our veins is a lot like that little child that gets overwhelmed with that candy. We see the sin out here, and we're just enamored by it sometimes. And if we're not careful, it will overtake us and lead us to do things that we never wanted to do. Namely, sin against our Lord. Now, God, being a just and holy God, cannot tolerate our sin, right? He can't let this go on. So what does God do? Second thing we see, man sins, God judges. In verse 6, the, the Bible says that God sent these poisonous steaks among the people and bit them so that many died. Most folks can look back across their life and can see the painful consequences of sin in their lives, the toll that it took on you. Emotionally, spiritually, even physically, your your body, your family, your relationships, it, it takes a toll on you. I'll tell you what, you can look around and you can look at people's faces today and you can literally see the toll that sin has taken on people's lives. It's written all over their face and in their bodies. But apart from the consequences that sin has on your life, folks, the greater problem is the consequence it has between you and your maker. That sin separates you from your God. And God in His righteousness has to enact His judgment. Has to enact His holy wrath. Has to enact this just separation from us because we're sinful. And the snakes, the snakes that God sent to these people, I think it's such a clear picture of what sin and the serpent and, and, and evil does. Just wreaking havoc on people's lives. Even to the point of death. You see, the disease of sin is deadly. It's the deadliest pandemic that the world has ever faced. 100% mortality rate. Did you know that 10 out of 10 people sitting here this morning are going to die? Are you glad you came to hear that? You drop a little extra in the plate for that nugget this morning. The wages of sin are death. We've earned this. And one day, the Bible says it's appointed unto man wants to die, and then the judgment. We're all going in that direction. And it's for that reason that no matter where you go in the world, people are afraid to die. People fear death and what may come to them after they leave this life. Larry Moyer tells a story of two different men that he knew. One was terminally ill. And this man was so afraid of dying that he arranged every detail of the last little bit of his life to try his best to avoid as much suffering as he possibly could and, and, and make his passing as peaceful as it possibly could be. Another man that Moyer knew, a friend of his, said, I get excited thinking about death. He said, I don't know when or where it will come, but I know where I'll be. And so you, you think, man, yeah, death's gonna come to all of us. But the point is, you don't have to be afraid of it. One man was afraid, the other man was excited. And the only difference between the two men was a person named Jesus Christ. With Christ, you don't have to be afraid to die. With Christ, you don't have to be afraid of anything in this life, you don't be, have to be afraid to live. Christ. So how do we get that kind of peace? Notice verse 7. Man sins, God judges, and then, this is good, man repents. The people come and they, they're, they're tormented by their sinful choices and they confess that sin. They literally say, we have sinned And they ask Moses to pray for them. They ask Moses to intercede for them. And he does. And in this world that's riddled with sin. in your life that may be riddled with sin. Look, I get it folks. I understand that sometimes it can seem pretty helpless. Hopeless. I know that sometimes it seems like the devil is just having his way. In your family. In your life. In your campus. In your community. But listen. Man has a way out. And it starts with Repentance. You see, the people come to Moses with these broken hearts, recognizing their sin, and I think that is such a beautiful picture of a sinner coming to God today. Even before the people look to this bronze serpent on this pole in faith, before they even get to that point, they come broken over their sin and repent. Now, what does it really mean to repent? We have a lot of cliches about that, don't we? Well, it means to turn around. It means to stop what you're doing, stop going that way and go the other. And that's true. But biblically speaking, repentance is this. It is a change in your mind resulting in a change in your heart and a change in your actions. And so it starts by changing your mind about your sin. You come to an understanding that your sin is not just a mistake. Your sin is not just a, oops, It's much more than that. Your sin is not just the way you are. It's not just the way God made you. It's not just this thorn in your flesh. It's not just the way that you think you were born. No, you realize your sin is disgusting. That your sin is devastating to your life. It's it's devastating to the relationships in your life. Your sin is damaging to your soul. and, And it breaks God's heart and separates you from Him. Not only that, but you realize your sin condemns you to an eternity apart from God in hell. And So, you must be born again. We preach, and I preach, that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And I will stand on that till the day that Jesus calls me home. And I'll add this caveat. Repentance is a necessary part of your salvation. You see, faith and repentance are really two sides of the same coin. And the heart of repentance is turning from rejecting Christ and who Christ is to fully accepting who He is and receiving Him in faith. Perhaps that's you this morning. You maybe mastered the faith part of your salvation, but you haven't really gotten around to the other side of the coin, which is Repentance. Maybe you've been wrestling with repentance and wrestling with letting go of the old you and your old ways. Maybe you're fine with accepting Jesus as your Savior and getting your ticket to heaven, but you've never really made Him your Lord. You've never really made Him the King of your life and surrendered your will and your ambitions and everything that you have. You've never given all of that to Him. And if that's you this morning, here in a few moments, I want to give you the opportunity to let go of whatever that is in repentance. In repentance. So here's the last point. <laughs> now, I'm glad you got to be here to hear this part. When man repents, God saves. The people deserve God's punishment. They had it coming. And we look at them, we're like, what are these knuckleheads up to? How do they keep doing this? Well, just look in the mirror sometimes, right? They deserve this, but in the middle of their sin, in the middle of their consequences, they recognized their sinfulness, and they acknowledge that sin. And so God made a means of salvation available to them. And notice again, I want to point this out. The very thing that had afflicted them, the very thing that had been causing their death was the thing that God had them lift up on the pole that if they looked to that, they could live. Back to John chapter 3. Again, Jesus said, So too the Son of Man must be lifted up. See, the Bible says that Jesus, the Son of God who knew no sin, became what? Sin for us. The perfect, unblemished Lamb of God, his only begotten Son, free from sin, took your curse of sin upon himself and bore it on Calvary's tree so that if you just simply look to him in faith and turn from your sin, you too might be saved. You just got to look and live. Have you ever done that? I mean, truly. Have you ever truly been saved? That if your ticket was pulled today and you had to leave this world, do you know for a fact you'd be with Jesus? A little while back, me and Jacob got to go and and visit an elderly couple over here across town. And we found this couple through our deacon Christmas boxes. That's how we found them. And we went to visit them and, and found out that the wife was saved, but her husband was not. And so we began with their permission to share the gospel and, and talk to him about salvation, about what Christ had done. And, and listen, this guy was, I don't remember his age, Jacob, but he was well up in his 80s it was really neat because, and I encourage you when you go out, go in twos because it was a lot like good cop, bad cop. It was a lot of fun. Jacob was so graceful and so just loving. And then I'd come along and I'd be like, listen, buddy, you know, you're not getting any younger. (laughs) But he would ask questions and we would answer and we would share. And it got to the point where we would plead with this man to just be saved. Just accept Jesus for who he is. 30 days after our last visit to the day he passed away, to the best of our knowledge, without Jesus. And I share that for a couple of reasons. One, if you're a believer, folks, this is how serious it is for you to share the gospel. It literally is a matter of life and death because people are, and I mean literally, dying and going to hell forever. Now, if you're not saved this morning, I share that story because you need to be reminded that you are living in a dire situation right now. You are but one breath and one heartbeat away from eternity. And if you're not saved, if you don't know Jesus, you too will spend all of eternity, which is much longer than this temporal life, in hell. But you don't have to. If you'll just look to Christ in faith this morning, just like these people look to this thing on this pole in the wilderness, if you'll look to Christ and His sacrifice on the cross for salvation this morning, you will be saved. It's that easy stand together as we close in prayer. Father, we we come to you this morning. God just recognizing that Lord, you're 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 at work. God, I don't know why some people drove here this morning or walked here. I don't know why some people are tuning in to the live stream right now, but Lord, I know that You do. And God, as Your Holy Spirit just sweeps across this country and across the world for that matter, God, I pray that this morning You would speak into someone's heart. Lord, convict us of our sin. God, help us to realize our need for Jesus. That that there is no other way for people to be saved. No other way for people to go to heaven. Except for Jesus. God, if we're Christians here this morning... But we've still allowed those things to remain in our lives. Those idols, those sins, those things that we just don't want to get rid of. God, I pray this morning we would repent. And God, through our repentant hearts, I pray that you would do a work in our church, in our community, Lord. God, that we would see revival just spring out of this place. And begin winning the 88% of Knox Countyans that are not in church this morning. And God, for the rest of us, give us the boldness to share the gospel. God, to at least give people the chance to meet Jesus, even if they don't take it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Like we did the old man across town, I'm going to ask you this morning, if you're not saved, (laughs) don't put it off. Jesus this morning golly what are you waiting for your life will never be better than when you come to Jesus you'll never regret it but you'll regret every day that you could have had with him and you told him no Church, if, if you need to come and you need to pray for that lost person in your life this morning, this altar's open. If you need to make some other decision like follow the Lord in baptism or whatever the case may be, why don't you come this morning as we sing. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at BarbervilleFBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.